with you some things that I need to hear today, okay? So what we're going to do is we're going to read, and we don't do this every single time because I don't want to just become kind of a mindless ritual, but if you are able and you feel comfortable standing while we read the word, I want us to stand for the reading of the word. Second Peter, uh, some of you who are here have seen this, Second Peter chapter 1, Second Peter chapter 1, we're going to talk about spiritual supplements that prevent blindness, okay? All right. Now, I want you to pay attention. The word knowledge comes out several times. And when something's stepping out like that in a passage, I know that it's being emphasized because we need to know him and know the truth. So please listen and take this in as we do the reading of the word this morning. Okay, Second Peter chapter 1. And we're going to start with verse 1. Okay, are you ready? Read along with me. I'm reading in the New King James translation. You read and whatever you have there, just follow along. Okay. He says in verse 1, Simon Peter, we know who that guy is, don't we? So this is many years later, he's an apostle and is coming to the end of his life. And so he writes, he says, a bondservant and apostle of Jesus Christ to those who have obtained like precious faith with us by the, resurre- or by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. As his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. By which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises. That through these you may be partakers of the divine nature. Having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. But also, for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith, your faith, or supplement your faith. Add to your faith, virtue. To virtue, knowledge. To knowledge, self-control. To self-control, perseverance. To perseverance, godliness. To godliness, brotherly kindness. And to brotherly kindness, love. For if these things are yours and abound, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these things is short-sighted, even to blindness, and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. For so an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Dear Lord, thank you for your word. May it come alive in us. We ask for that blessing right now. Help us to hear and apply in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. Uh, There are certain things that are necessary that we have to have in order to like survive and be healthy, right? But not just to survive as we worshiped earlier. We want to do more than just survive and exist. God designed us so that we thrive, okay? So even, let's just say even in the physical world, if you're going to not just survive, if you're going to thrive and be healthy, there's some things that you need. There are certain uh, nutrients. There are certain things. And now there is this idea again coming toward former years. People had no choice. But now it's kind of like a thing that they want to be self-sustaining, right? 
self-sufficient. So usually that means at least in part that we grow all of our food or at least the basic stuff and kind of learn how to do the basic stuff on our own and not be dependent on anybody. But, um, so, you know, we find out and during this time we're living in, we've had to exercise a little bit of this, haven't we? Uh, we have found out that there are some things that we can do without if we need to or have to. But there are some things we can't do without. And you know what? Food is the big one. Can't do very well without food, so God bless our farmers. Amen? Yeah. Um, you know, during my growing up years, my family pretty much did this. I didn't realize it because I thought it was just the way it's supposed to be. We, we grew most of our own food. We always, you know, all of our family, extended family, growing the big gardens and everything. And there were some things I can remember our extended family of our clan grew together, you know. And I can remember, you know, my cousins and brother throwing dirt clods at me, you know. Because I I, they, they knew how to push my buttons and get me to get real mad, you know, and things like that. Digging potatoes and doing things like this. Uh, but, uh, you know, we, we did that. It was just the way, you know, things were done. And, um, so I was thanking my mom one time. I said, by the way, mom, I didn't realize it growing up, but thank you for feeding us organically as we grew a lot of our own meat and, and our vegetables and things like that. She said, well, it wasn't too organic when there got to be, you know, bugs or something in the garden and Gramp come along with the seven dust and just covered everything, you know, but anyway, but we did, it was great. I can remember going to spend the night with a friend and, uh, you know, having to eat store-bought vegetables, right? Or how about this? Drink store-bought milk. Now, you got to understand, growing up on a dairy farm, we drank our own milk. I grew up drinking uh, unpasteurized, unhomogenized raw milk. That's, that's what we had. And so uh, I can remember how it just did not taste right whenever you had the store-bought stuff. And, and when I went to college, that was the hardest thing to get used to. I can remember friends coming over and mom would get out that big, we had a big old gallon-sized glass jug that we would a lot of times have milk in. And they would say, what's that stuff on the top? I'm like, that's the cream, you knucklehead. You know, he didn't have a clue what that was. Uh, so, uh, but you know what? When I think about it, no one is ever really self-sustaining because even if you could grow your own food and do all of this, you depended on God to make the seed. Huh? You're dependent on God to send the sun and the rain. And we could use a little break from the rain so we can get some sun at times. It's all got to happen right, you know? Uh, everything, but we're dependent on that. There's only so much we can do. We need the warmth to grow the food. So here's the thing. Are you with me still? That, that even in that God does his part that only God can do, but yet there is a part he enables us to do. Now we're still depending on him to give us the strength to do it, right? That is God provides all these things, but God is not going to come down and plant your seed and water it or make sure it's cultivated and harvest it for you. He gives you the strength and hopefully the wisdom to be able to do that. Okay? Now, this is a good illustration of what is also true to be healthy in our spiritual life. Uh, we find that in this passage, if you're paying attention. We've got to trust God in what only God can do. And then also trust Him to enable us to cultivate what he's made available for us in the responsibilities that he gives us. 
Um, so he gets all the glory. He provides the increase. It's all about his glory and his power. But there is a responsibility that he gives us. Now, um, he wants to supply things in our life. Okay? And as we found out here, his great power makes this possible. You can't do this on your own. You can't bypass him or anything like that. But there is a responsibility that you and I have. And these are some supplements that we really need accompanying our faith. Are you going to go blind? Or you might be blind. Then we're talking about being spiritually blind. Okay? As we look through this, uh, and I think about the past couple of months, we were focusing on one of the key elements of our relationship with God, and that is our faith, right? It is required on our part. See, when God created us in his sovereign power, he sovereignly decreed that we have this area of free will in our life that we do make decisions, you find that in scripture. God is sovereign over all things. He knows the end from the beginning. All, I can't explain this. I'm just telling you what it is, all right? If I could explain it and you could really understand it, we'd really be something, wouldn't we? You know, we might be over on the other side. We might be, you know, pinch me. Am I in heaven? I don't know. Because these are beyond our human mortal capabilities. Because God says this, that, that he is sovereign, knows, the inf- knows everything, but yet he gives us real choices. And you do make real choices. And he holds you responsible for those choices. And we're going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ someday. Give an account. So we know all of this is true. So there's a balance here, is there not? Faith is required on our part. God's already done his part by paying for our sins on the cross and supplying all that we need to have an abundant life that glorifies him and eternal life with him forever. But we've got to receive all of that he has. How? For by grace are you saved through faith. By faith. And remember, faith is more than just believing it's true. It is not only belief, it is belief, but it is trusting, relying, submitting totally to Him. And we've observed that one of the by, some of the byproducts of that relationship that we have by faith is hope, right? Love, joy, peace, many of those things. In fact, James tells us in James chapter 2 that if you just say you have faith and there's nothing coming out of your life to show that it's real, you might be deceived. Okay? You might have a said faith. You say you have faith. That's all it is, is talk. Maybe dead faith. All right? Living faith in us produces something. So it produces action. So faith is front and center in this passage. Did you see that? Faith is front and center because right here in verse 1, he's addressing this to those who have obtained like precious faith. That we've all been saved by putting our trust in the same thing. Amen? All of you. So faith is front and center. And it motivates us to seek to know the Lord more. It, it motivates us uh, to know him deeply. You, can, you can't really have very deep of a relationship with someone without knowing them. I mean, you can know who they are. But if you're really going to have a deep relationship, you must know more and more about them. And that's the way it is in our relationship with the Lord. And that's part of the reason why we're here today in this building and why some are tuning in online is we got to get into the word because this is how we know him. We would not know anything about God because God is so awesome unless God revealed it. 
God has to reveal it. Mankind cannot attain to it. God has to reveal it. God has revealed all that he wants us to have. That revelation is complete in the 66 books of the Bible. All right? And then, in order to understand what he's revealed, he, he, he not only revealed it, but he inspired it to be written down. And then, in order to understand what is written, we need the Holy Spirit to illuminate our understanding so that we get it. Because I'm afraid we know a lot of things about God, but we don't really know him. But knowledge, you see, keeps coming out of here. It's about knowing him. And knowing him is about a relationship with him. And the more that we know him, the more our faith is growing. The more our faith is growing, the more we want to know him. <laughs> and the more we're yielded to him, as our faith's growing, we're yielded to him more. Less of me, less of my will, less of my selfishness, and more of me saying no to my natural desires and thoughts, and yes to him and what he teaches me. And as I do that, I'm walking by faith. But guess what else I'm doing? I'm walking. Paul uses his phrase this way in Galatians 5, walking in the Spirit. Walking by the Spirit. I'm walking by the Spirit's power. When I say no to my will, and I say yes to His will, and I'm surrendered to Him, and I'm growing, and I'm knowing Him, then I am not only walking by trusting Him, but that opens a door for His presence in me to propel me forward and to produce what he calls in that chapter the fruit of the Spirit. And there are parallels of what Paul is teaching in Galatians 5 and what Peter says here about these things that come as a result of our walking by faith, walking in the Spirit. It's pretty awesome. Yes. All right. Now, uh, otherwise, if we don't do this, you may, you may believe, you may trust him for salvation, but you might not be growing. You might be short-sighted spiritually, or you could be blind spiritually. Could be. And the thing about it is, if you're blind, maybe other people see, but you can't see. Maybe the truth about self. That's what I worry about myself. And I don't see the truth about me. Why can't I not see it? Because I'm blind. Why am I blind? Because I'm not walking by faith. And I'm not letting it supply the things that God wants to supply in my life. In other words, God's made it all possible and, and ready, but I'm not accessing it. I'm not doing the part, the responsibility he's given me. Are you following me there? Okay, good, good. So what are these things it provides? Our life of walking by faith provides us. I mean, let me go to these slides. Uh, and, and here's the first thing I want you to notice. It provides access, access to divine power. And that's what he says here. Access, including everything he says in verse 3, is div that, that divine power has given us at all things that pertain to life and godliness. In order to live my life and be godly, that is to please God. Everything possible. Let's look at this verse, okay? Second Peter uh, chapter 1, verse 3, he says, As his divine power has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. But he called us to himself. We couldn't have found him had he not been calling us. And he's called us by his glory and by his excellence or virtue that he has called us. And he's given us these promises that he talks about. Now, he had already said grace and peace be multiplied to you through the knowledge of God. So you see, faith is the key. As we get into this, we see that now, because we have that relationship, grace and peace are multiplied in the knowledge. Uh, as you know him more, you're going to know more of his grace and know more of his peace, right? It's multiplied. 
But now here in this verse is the second time the word knowledge pops up again. And it's about to come up in verse 5 too. Now, you need to know there were already false teachers who were out there. And even at this time, I mean, early church, Bible's not even finished, and there are already false teachers everywhere. Jesus said that that would happen. It's no surprise that it's so bad today. It was already bad then. And you had some of the very apostles who walked and talked with Jesus on earth, and they were still here, and they were still teaching. And there were already problems with people getting it wrong. And one of those groups believed that there was this special mystic knowledge that you could get and it puts you on a different plane than everyone else. Uh, and um, gnos- gnosko is the Greek word. We get the word, we, we call them the Gnostics. You've heard of the Gnostics? They believe they had that special knowledge. So there was, there was a group and he's kind of dealing with them by using this word like he is. Uh, but the Gnostics said a lot of false things and they wrote false things. And uh, this wasn't unknown to us to them, actually, uh, you know, in, in things that come out in modern times, you see on some of these channels, I have like the lost books of the Bible, right? Many of you, if you saw or read the Da Vinci Code, it talks about these lost books and have you thinking that somewhere down through time, they got together, and just voted on what we're going to take, what we're not. No, 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 that's not what happened. What happened at the Council of Nicaea was, as they came together, they decided, what is it? Now that we're all able to get together without the Romans wanting to kill us, let's decide, what is it that we've always believed? What has always been accepted and what has not been accepted? And these Gnostic books that were called lost books, but they weren't lost then, they knew about them. They were rejected as false teaching then, and you need to reject them as false teaching now. I mean, don't be so ignorant that you get caught up with some of this goobly-goop going on out there, and you get on the internet, and you start, I mean, my goodness, you know, who knows what to believe on the internet, right? Right. I saw that on the internet, actually. even said it about itself, and it was a quote from Abraham Lincoln. But anyway, uh, so (laughs) we need to know the truth, real knowledge. And when we we get that, we realize that... uh, they were already rejecting this false teaching to know that there's only one special knowledge, and it is knowing Jesus. You can't get any better than that. In fact, he doesn't just use a normal word for knowledge here. The Greek word that is translated is epinosis, and that is full knowledge. You can't get any more. Full is full, right? If something's full, you can't put any more in it. So when you know Jesus, this is the real knowledge. And that's what he's emphasizing. I want you to know that here. So he says it's through his, through his divine power. So he's done all this. But through his divine power, he's given us exceedingly great and precious promises. Now, he's given, and we wouldn't know these promises if we didn't read them, right? So you, get, you can't grow and have this happen in your life without being in the Word. And that's part of why God has called some people to teach and preach and, and, and hopefully enable all of us to read and listen and grow and apply and learn. So there's discipline, there's work that needs to be done on our part to receive everything that He has for us. Because the promises aren't going to do you any good if you never know about them. They're not going to motivate you. They're not going to strengthen you. But he says it's by that power, that glory, and that excellence of God that we have been given to us exceeding great and precious promises that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Uh, these great, he, he, it's almost like in English we struggle to describe it. They're, they're so awesome. These promises are, it, it says that they are exceedingly great. The Greek words you might be familiar with, it kind of says it itself, mega. Yeah, these aren't just, hey, they're mega promises and they're precious, valuable promises that we might partake of his nature. Now that nature talks about all the Christ-like characters and some of them are going to be mentioned here. Are you following me? 
Okay, because you guys just look tired anyway. So I'm having to work harder. And, and usually when I think somebody, if I think somebody's not listening, I just talk longer and louder. Do you know that about me? You guys are good friends with me. That's what I do. And, and, and if I think you're not listening, I get closer and I get closer. And I'm like, you hear what I'm saying? You know what I mean? You know what I mean? You know, I become totally obnoxious. So we're, we're all happier if we just get into it. Okay, good. Uh, it, it, we, uh, the, the word here about escaping, not only partakers of his nature, but escaping the corruption. That word translated corruption is a word that means something that is rotten. It's like shriveled up and rotten, you know? It's like when we were doing a remodel one time, we found that little shriveled up shell of a mouse. It's gross, right? I see, I knew that we'd get the women. It's like, whew, mouse is bad, but shriveled up dead mouse is even worse, right? Uh, but that's the, that's the word that describes corruption here. And so he says that we've escaped, that, that, that's in the world through desire or passion. The word translated lust or desire is literally a Greek word that means to breathe hard or to pant. And that Adam and Eve, because of that desire, they made a decision because of the free will God had given them to sin and it brought sin into the world. But the same thing happens with us. And what he's saying is this, is what you're doing. You're panting after something that really is rotten and decaying. It's just like drying up, shriveling up. It's something that will produce bad and not good. So think about how much time we spend in our life with our energy panting after those things, having passion toward those things that God knows is rotten. They're not do you any good. So let me show you something better, he's saying. I got something so much better because I've made all of this possible for you but I, because I've got something better. He's promised to make this available. Did you hear that? God has promised to do his part. He will not fail you. He will not shut you out. This is available for you if you come to him by faith. I clap when I think, yes, I needed to hear that. Because you have faith in God's promise, we should make every effort to respond to these things. That's what he says in verse 5 uh, as we look at verse 5. And then we're going to find out that not only do we have access to divine power, but we have access to, because of that, Christ-like character. And he's going to talk about a little bit of it. Uh, be diligent, he says. That means to make every effort. You need to make some plans, right? Maybe you need to have a strategy. Maybe you need to think about it a little bit. And then put forth some effort. So this is the part of us, right? This, this is a responsibility God gives you. This is what he says, I want you to do. I'm going to do this, but this is what you have to do in order to receive it. I'm not going to come down there and plant your seed and cultivate it for you. But I'm going to help you if you do this. And then let's read verse 5. He says, but in verse... Verse 5, but also for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, to virtue knowledge, and so forth and so on, as we have these here. And some translations say, supplement your faith with virtue and virtue knowledge and so forth and so on. And you know what? That's a pretty good way to translate it because it's not just adding one thing to another like one plus one. It's, it's something that becomes a part of the other. Uh, faith is the basis of it all. These things are not like equal to it, but it comes because of it. You see? Um, it's like faith is the house. And you could translate this, furnish your faith with virtue. 
Add to your faith. Supplement your faith. Furnish it. It's like faith is the house, and all these things are like the furniture. Or else you got an empty house, and what good is that? Okay? All right. <laughs> Where there's life, there's going to be growth. And so the characteristics are mentioned here. He says, add to your faith. We already talked about faith. Virtue or supplement or furnish your faith. Furnish your faith with virtue. Now, virtue, uh, that's a word that we throw around quite a bit these days. What's that about? It's talking about moral excellence. That's one of the easiest ways to describe, just moral excellence. God wants excellence in us. And the morality is that part of what God says is good and what God says is bad is bad, right? And so we're talking about moral excellence in our life, moral vigor, um, goodness. It involves the moral qualities inside us that, that, that make for excellence in our relationship with God and with our personal life and, and excellence in our relationship with one another. Okay, so get that down. That's for sure. Then he said, and then to virtue knowledge. He's already mentioned it in verse uh, three and, um, and, 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 and in verse two. But now he mentions it again. If we're going to keep growing, we're going to have to keep learning. We're going to have to keep understanding. So as you get closer to him and as you, as you begin to understand more about the excellence that God wants, it's going to be so awesome. You want to know more. And so you're going to supplement that with more knowledge. I want to know more. This is the true gnosis. And then he says, knowledge, self-control. The old word is temperance. Self-control is what it means. That is, you put into practice what you know. That it's all about mastering your desires. It's about having discipline. This word was used of athletes who denied what they wanted, what they felt, and went for the prize. That's you. You can't go by feelings. You can't go by how you feel. You've got to reach down inside yourself. And because of that faith, you deny selfish tendencies and selfish thoughts and selfish feelings and attitudes. And you deny that and you surrender to what the Holy Spirit says, what God says. That's self-control. It literally means to hold yourself and have strength. And then to self-control, perseverance. Uh, some say some translations say patience, but the word is upomeno, and it means literally to abide under. It means to hold up under the load. So I think perseverance or endurance may be a better way to say that, actually. Uh, because it's not just passive that you're just waiting around. It is active that you are pushing through, you're holding in there. And as you trust him, as you know him, as you exercise your will to depend on him and submit to him, he is going to make available. This is one of the fruits of the spirit too. He's going to make the uh, available to you the ability to endure, but you got to want to endure. God's not going to help you get through anything that you don't trust him and that you don't deny yourself and seek him first with. See, not on autopilot. And then he says, not only perseverance, but godliness. Now, there's another word that we throw around a lot. And what does it mean? Uh, well, the word that's translated here comes from a Greek word that uh, literally means devotion to what is good. Devotion to what is good. Paul uses this often. When he uses it in his writings, it's connected to an attitude of deep devotion and commitment to the truths of Scripture and a deep devotion and commitment to the living out of those Scripture. So we're talking about godliness. We're talking about a devotion and a commitment to want to please God and live according to the way that he says. To live in a right way. And so that's going to be a desire that we're going to have. It's not that you're saying, i got to do this or he's going to you know, get me. Right? It's the desire that we have as our faith grows that this is going to be happening as we cooperate with what he wants to do in our lives. He's going to supply the power. 
But you've got to supply the willingness. Okay. And then, not only godliness, but the next word is brotherly love. It's a compound word in the Greek. The Greek word is Philadelphia, right? How? The city of brotherly love. Now, especially if you're a Cardinal fan and you go to Philadelphia, you might not get a lot of love, right? But that's what the word means. It is a word phileo, which is a word of, of, of affection. It's a word that is often translated love and then the Greek word for brother. And it's talking about the devotion that we have that comes from God, that we're devoted and we're loving one another. So one of the ways that we know that we're growing in the faith and walking in the spirit is that God supernaturally gives us an ability to love each other. And it uses the masculine here, brother, but, but, but we know that that's just the culture and the way it's talking about brothers and sisters both. Okay, we got to love one another. We got to love each other. This is one of the ways that, and it's going to, hey, it's going to take some divine intervention. It's going to take some, that, that, what did he call it? That divine power that has been given to us. It's going to take that to be able to love some of you guys. Right? Point right back at me, some of you are. I know, I can take it. It's true. But this is one of the real ways as we talked about, what was that, let's see, uh, last week? That we really know that we have God's presence in us. is not by just showing up at the building or logging on or things like that. It is by loving those who are not easy to love. Last thing that we have is not only access to divine power, access to Christ-like character, but also what comes, as about, comes about as, as a result of that is that is spiritual fruit. Spiritual fruit. If our faith lacks this kind of furnishing, that he says it should be furnished with. He says that we're going to be barren, empty, and unproductive. Right? Let's look at that verse. That's the next verse. Verse 8. He says, For if these things are yours and abound, the things we just talked about, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So the implication is that is if you don't have it, then you will be barren and unfruitful. And knowing Jesus is doing you no good. How could that be? Well, it's not Jesus' fault. It's our fault. Get it? Good. Uh, then he says, not only that, but we can become blind. That's why I said these are the supplements that prevent blindness. Next verse. Are you ready for it? Verse 9. It says, for he who lacks these things is short-sighted, even, blind, even to blindness, and has forgotten that he has been cleansed from his old sins. You become short-sighted. You can't see very far off. Now, without my contacts in, I, I can see uh, up close, but I can't see far off. I don't know what's going on out there. So I'm just focused on me and what's around me. He says, that's what happens. When your faith isn't growing like this, you're just really focused on you and your surroundings. You're not seeing the big picture of what God has. It's too fuzzy, right? It's too fuzzy. But see, now, I'm a great illustration of this. Because I got one contact, helps me see far off. And I got one, helps me see up close. Although the print is getting smaller. You can see I struggle reading today. Uh, the light and the, the size of that print. This, and, and so I'm going I'm to get a new Bible that's going to be a little bigger, right? Uh, I used to make fun of Brother Glenn, uh, my father-in-law. He had a gigantic Bible. I said, you know, uh, as you get older, can you, do you have the strength to hold that thing? You know what I'm saying? And um, so it doesn't seem like that, that, that he's been gone, you know, four years already uh, as we went down and visited. And that's something that a lot of people that move in here don't understand of what we do here is, is that we have Decoration Day, that Memorial Day is all about honoring those 
who died serving our country, all right? Uh, and so even though I go to, to, to granny or grandma or somebody like that, it, you know, I, don't, I know they, but, but, we, but in the South, it just came a time that during the weekend, we decorate loved ones' graves. And then on Monday, we're going to really focus on honoring those who've given their lives for our freedom. So anyway, uh, I just want to throw that in there. So if you are not adding to your faith and if you're not growing like this, he says it makes no sense. You're focused too much on yourself. And what can happen is you can become blind spiritually. And this will be happening in your life and you won't even be able to see it. That's what Satan wants to do. But now, hey, are you with me? And I get in the word of God. And when I get around other believers and I'm studying together and I'm growing together, this stuff gets exposed. Things that I don't want to see comes out here. And it's like, oh no. And because I'm growing and in uh, accountability and other things with the body of Christ, there's times I might need to be confronted about some things to help my blindness. So God has built in. So here's the thing. We have had isolation. But if you isolate yourself from God, from other believers and things like that, you're probably going to get spiritually short-sighted or blind. You're not going to see everything. He says, and then he says, you, you be like those. He said that just forget that you've been cleansed from your past sins. I mean, think about it. You repented of those past sins, realizing what it cost Jesus to pay for them on the cross. And you were so glad to be forgiven and free. Why in the world would you want to wander right back into that bondage? Makes no sense. So if you're not adding and growing and producing and being fruitful, then you might be Come weak so that you even forget that you've been cleansed from those sins. And Satan begins to knock you down with it again. And you stumble right back. Verse 10. He says, therefore, brethren, be even more diligent. Make even more effort to make your call and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. So basically, what does that mean? Make sure you know that you know him. Check yourself. It's what he's saying there. Just basically, check yourself. Don't wreck yourself. Remember that? Check yourself before you wreck yourself. Yeah. God help us. I need that. You don't have to say, I hope I don't stumble. I hope I don't fail. Since God's given you all that's needed, you just got to make up your mind to trust, to rely, submit. That's faith. And believe the right stuff and then do it. As we do, God's power is coming along to carry us through. It'll, he will make it happen, but you have to decide. But if you decide to resist God and do it on your own, your own way, then of course you'll be on your own and you will fail. You will stumble. Let's wrap this up as we look at verse. One more verse, but here's the thing. Take this home. Are you ready? God's provided all that you need for life and to live the Christian life. Got it? As your faith grows, all these things will grow in your life. Are we lacking in some areas? I need to know him more. I need to submit to him more. I need to get closer to him. Verse 10. Check it. Make your calling election sure. Check yourself before you wreck yourself. It won't be God's fault. It'll be your fault. If you do, wreck yourself. And then I need to ask myself, what do I need to do? What are some things I need to do in my daily life starting today that's going to help me do this so that I don't become spiritually blind? Because if I do, there's something else he'll supply. Last verse, verse 11. For this happens, an entrance will be supplied to you. Abundant entrance. I don't even know what all that means. 
into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He's our God and Savior, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. There's going to be a grand entry one of these days. Ah, He says, I'm guaranteeing that, and I'm going to give you assurance of that, and you can know it as you grow and walk with me, as you know me. Amen. I'm looking forward to that day. I want to see you there. If you get there before I do, I don't want to spoil anything for anybody who hadn't gone, but you know, when we go to Encounter, and when we get there, there's usually a line of people, and they're cheering, and they're clapping as you come in. And it's like, wow, this is amazing. It is nothing compared to what it's going to be like. I can just see if we don't all go at the same time, which he may come get us. When I get there, is that what it's going to be like? All these people that, that we've already said bye to, many of them, are they going to be like, yeah, come on in. Woo! It's going to be a grand entrance that day. But the biggest thing is seeing our Lord in his glory. Father, help us today to apply this to our lives. And we want to give you glory for it all. Help us to seek you now. And I pray, Lord, if there's decisions to be made, you'd help us to make it right now. And Lord, those who may be watching somewhere else, that if they need some spiritual help, that they would be sure to send a private message or, or click on the right uh, email address and send us an email, Lord, so we can talk, we can get together, we can pray. But Lord, you're here. You're waiting for us. You're going to do your part. Help us to respond to you by faith. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand?